two things before I start. One, I, 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 I was brought up where tongues were frequent and common in the church. and You can find it in the Bible. We're not going to preach on tongues this morning. And um, I was always quite interested how uh, there was a season um, when we didn't have them. And I encouraged them a number of times, but it has to be in God and not in man. But I, I just felt that... Because Sally says, I'm just warning you. <laughs> what? She says, well, I don't normally get tongues. So Sally, who's not normally got the gift or known of the gift of tongues, stepped out and gave a word, and, and David interpreted it. And I just want to encourage the release of God's tongues um, amongst the church. Yeah, there are people who will interpret. And in some ways, you can't get the tongue wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I want to encourage it, and, and obviously more people who will interpret. But you can have a good look in, in Corinthians 1, um, 11 and 12 that will tell you about that. And secondly, just want to encourage you, this is not political in any way, shape or form, but we do need to pray for our country. I'm not fussed with Brexit, in, out, left, right. It's not the point, Yeah, but we need to pray for... and godly wisdom Amen. to ascend onto our leaders Amen. of this nation. And that they will also steer a time of, of unity and bring in what is a clear divide in the hearts of people. Because a divided house cannot stand. And maybe the church will play a part, not in a political voice, but in bringing unity and peace and harmony as our leaders navigate us through this time. So I encourage you to pray in that way. We have been doing a time of Advent, um, and Andrea discovered, uh, although it was discovered a long time ago when the Greek language was first formed, that Advent meant coming. And the Benedictine priests, although they did it over four weeks, what, what? Not the Benedictine. Monks. Uh, details. <laughs> the Benedictine monks... Um, would, over four weeks apparently, although we've done it in three, celebrate Jesus coming in the flesh, Jesus coming in our hearts, and Jesus coming again in glory. And a couple of weeks ago, we, we looked at the need for God to send his son as a baby. Jesus the son was needed to pay the price for sins. We've heard that this morning. For all men. A sacrifice was needed and the blood of animals as created beings would not be enough. We see in Genesis 3.21, the Lord God made tunics of animal skins for Adam and his wife and clothed them to cover their nakedness, to cover their sin. But it wasn't enough. The killing of an animal and the shedding of blood was enough to cover their nakedness, their sin, but not sufficient for all men. I want to turn this on. There we go. God in... That needed an innocent. That needed someone who had never sinned, but had also never chosen to sin. God in the flesh. As man, Jesus came and suffered just as we do. The Bible tells us that he went through every temptation common to man, but chose not to sin. Christ did not come on this earth to show us how God could walk, 
but how man could walk as a result. And he paid the price for us all so we can walk as he walked. Whatever Jesus did, look at him as a restored man. As you and I who have been freed from sin, the way Jesus walked, we can walk that way. We no longer have the sin nature within us, but are freed because of what Jesus did. Romans 5, 18-19 says this, Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone. But Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. But because one other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. Amen? Amen. So Jesus had to come in the flesh to show us how we can walk. And how do we walk that way? By making him Lord of our lives. The sin nature no longer in us. We now actually just have to learn to overcome the temptations of the flesh and walk as Jesus did. Amen. We then looked at the coming of Christ in our hearts. Oh, he's not a bit small. That's a, that's a bit small. But now I am going away to the one who sent me. Not one of you is asking where I am going. Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sins and of God's righteousness, and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Jesus had to go. Jesus had to go. The fleshly Jesus had to go. So every single one of us across the globe, from then to this point forward, and to the point of when he comes back, can receive the risen Christ in our hearts. And he sent the Spirit who partners with us and leads us into all righteousness. Reminding us of the teachings of Christ. What else? Hold on. That's still a bit small. John 3, 3. Jesus wrote, I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean? exclaimed Nicodemus. How can an, how can an old man go back into his, his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So you can hear the... Um, so don't be surprised where, when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind, but can't tell where the wind comes from or where it is going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. We, because Jesus went away, we can now be born again of His Spirit. And we can have Jesus coming and taking residence in our hearts, in our lives. Because we need a new heart. We need a new life. But we must choose what was that word? There's a choice to step into the fountain. There's a choice. We must choose to follow Christ. It is a decision. You can't fall into it. We're born British. You are not born Christian. It's why we don't christen. Because it has to be a choice to allow the Lordship of Jesus Christ to take root 
in your life. And that changes everything. It's that switching. We got together as elders on Monday. So what does it really mean to be born again? And we got all this theological stuff. But actually at the root of it is deciding, actually, I'm not going my way. I'm going Jesus' way. And if I need to repent of some stuff, then I do. But I realize I need to go Jesus' way and not my way. And that is so important because the world teaches us to go your way. It actually teaches us, look deep down inside you for the real you. And when you found the real you, then actually you need to affirm what that real me is. The Bible says that the heart is wicked overall. That's why God needs to give us a new heart. We must choose to follow Christ. We choose to make him Lord of our lives. We choose to put him first. The world needs to choose to follow Christ. So here we are this morning. Now we're looking at the coming of Christ. The glory of the coming of Christ in our lives. What does the Bible say? John 14, 1-6 says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house and many mansions. If it were not so, I would not have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may also be. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There is one way to Father God. Amen. It's Jesus Christ, his living son. And Jesus is coming again. Hallelujah. Jesus is coming again. Hallelujah. It's not completed. It isn't finished. The work on the cross was finished, but God's plan is still working out. Now, there are lots of different events that are associated with the end times. The rapture and the removal of the church, Christ's return, the thousand-year reign, the defeat of Satan, the new heaven and the new earth. And as always, scholars are always discussing what comes first and which comes when and how is it going to work. Well, I'm not getting into that this morning. <laughs> what do we know? Christ is coming again. Christ is coming for his church as a bride. Christ will overthrow the devil. Christ will establish a new heaven and a new earth. Hallelujah. And actually, all the rest is really interesting. And I could spend ages reading into it. But for this morning, all those details and what and where actually aren't relevant. Christ is coming again. Christ will restore the church. There will be a new heaven and a new earth forever and ever and ever and ever. There will be no doubt when Jesus has re returned. It will not be like his birth in secret. It will not be like his birth that only a few may see when they saw the stars. That throws you, isn't it? Astrology and all that. They saw the stars. Only a few know. It will not be in secret. When God comes again, it will be declared brightly and visibly. What's it say? Then, then uh, hold on, where am I? 24.30. Yes, I've jumped up again. 
Okay, then the Son of Man will appear in heaven and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet and they will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end to the other. There'll be no doubt. It will be visible. It will be loud. I remember my mum... I know, it must be 20, 25, 30 years ago when technology was just taking off and all this live TV and, and satellite stuff. She said, oh, do you think Jesus will use satellite TV? And I kind of also everybody can see. And I was kind of like, yeah, you what? This is Jesus. He caused the sun to stand still. He can do whatever. There will be no denying Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. Christ warns us though. And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumours of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all of these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. And it goes on. Then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders, if possible, um, to deceive, if possible, even the elect. See, I've told you beforehand. Therefore, if they say to you, look, he is in the desert, do not go out. Or look, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, don't need satellite TV when the lightning goes, bless my mom. So also will be the coming of the Son of Man. Just a side point, I believe in signs and wonders. I believe they're relevant to today and I believe we should learn to step into them. But it is an over-interest in signs and wonders that will cause people to sway into error. It's when you seek the sign and the wonder and not the God of the sign of the wonder and you may hear of incredible things going on around the world around the globe and God says be careful don't be deceived Christ so that was a side point back onto it Christ is coming again why? because the job is still there there's still work to be done no matter what you think of this world the incredible advances in medicine the way now we can grow body parts, the way we are getting so deeply into how the body works, or technology, and apparently we're on the birth of AI and some of the incredible ways we are linking up, or the increased desire for justice and the recognition of all people being precious, or whether you think that some of these things are just man playing God, trying to sort out the problems themselves. Whatever you think, this world is not how God intended. This world is not how God planned it to be. Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but it is of the world. And the world is passing away. And the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. Whatever you think of this incredible planet, this world order, this system is not how God intended it and it is passing away. 
It is not how he designed it to be. This world order, this world system is passing away and God will redeem his world and restore it to the way he intended it to be. So when? So where, where is he then? You all lean forward. All my life, I've grown up hearing that we are in the end times, pointing to wars, rumours of wars and the like. Recently, I think we've stopped talking about it, which is a problem in itself. Probably embarrassed that there's been so many now, decades, 44 years I've been on this earth on Tuesday. I know, it's just incredible. I look so good. And I've heard it all my life. So where is he? Where is this God of yours? The Bible again helps us out here. Most importantly, I want to remind you that in the last days, scoffers will come mocking the truth and following their own desires. They will say, what happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again? From before the times of our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the world was first created. They deliberately forget that God made the heavens long ago by the word of his command. And he brought the earth out from the water and surrounded it with with water. Then he used the water to destroy the ancient world with a mighty flood. And by the same word, the present heavens and earth will be destroyed up for fire. They are being kept for the day of judgment when ungodly people will be destroyed. But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with terrible noise, and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire. And the earth and everything on it will be, found to des- uh, will be found to deserve judgment. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives you should live. Looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. On that day, he will set the heavens on fire. And the elements will melt away in the flames. But we are looking forward to the new heavens and the new earth. He has promised the world filled with God's righteousness. Amen. Amen. No apologies that there's a lot of scripture this morning. These are God's thoughts and ideas. Amen. Two things from this. God is holding back so that no one should perish. My beloved new King James says his will is that no one should perish. The sadness is many will. It's interesting, we say, well, God's will will always come to pass. He wills it. But because of his nature, because he's given us free will, we can choose to go our own way. And and sadly, many will do. Wide is the road that leads to destruction, and many will tread upon it. Gosh, Ben, it's nearly Christmas. God is holding back so that none should perish but all repent. This is where the church comes in, our mission, our purpose, our assignment to share the good news. Not that come to God and your finances will be sorted out. Not that come to God and he'll he'll, he'll give you a good job. He'll sort your relationships out. But come to God because you need him. 
because he's the only answer. And no matter how clever man gets in dissecting the body and recreating it, they'll never find an answer for the sin issue. Only Christ can cure that. Amen. The second, what holy and godly lives should we live? Christ is coming back. The question is, will you be ready? Christ himself in the book of Luke asks, but when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth? That should grab us, church. That should absolutely grab hold of us. That Christ is questioning, will I find faith on the earth? This is the real question. Will you be ready for Christ's return? Well, I said the prayer. I did a few things in church. Look at the parable of the ten virgins. We're not going to read it all, but it's in Matthew 25, 1 um, and 11 through to 13. But there were ten virgins. Some were ready. Some had got oil. And when they realized, all ten of them realized that Christ was imminently coming back. Ten realized, five realized if I'm going to paraphrase it, I need to get it right. Five realized they got no oil and said, can we borrow yours? Do you know what it says about give and share? And they go, no. No. And they went out to get oil. And when they came back with oil, it was too late. It was too late. It was too late. Look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and meet him. All the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. Then five foolish ones asked the others, please give us some of your oil. But the others replied, we don't have enough for all of us. Go to a shop and buy some. But while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast. and The door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door! Open the door! For you do not know the day or hour of my return. This is the question. Are we ready? It's heavy reading. Once saved, always saved? I don't think so. We don't believe that. In this church, while it is not easy to throw your salvation away, you can certainly do it. Look how Paul talks about his journey to Timothy 4. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but all of those who have looked and loved for his appearing. It's a race. I've kept it. I've finished it. I'm there. Look for his appearing. That is the question. You see, I believe that this world that the devil has in his hands wants to keep you in the here and now. We don't think eternally. Keep your focus on the present, which is fine, but not at the expense of eternity. And the enemy will get your eyes off looking at the horizon, looking up, looking for his return and onto all the troubles and the woes of today. And oh my goodness, there are many. Or all the joys and the, and the extravagance that we can have today. And oh my words, there are many. Look for his appearing. Why? Jesus is coming again. Yes and amen. But will he recognize you? Are you cultivating and growing a relationship with Jesus? This does not start with do's and don'ts, lists and rules, if you want to call them that. It starts with a relationship. 
Seven years ago, something changed in my marriage. I was preparing some teaching on marriage. And during that time, I realised that I'd been living my married life for me. I can't remember if Chloe had been born or just been born, but we were moving the house around and it was an absolute mess. And when blokes are doing things, they start to talk. So I started to talk to Claire and I found myself pouring out my heart just saying, Claire, I've been living this marriage for me first and I need to repent and I'm sorry. And she started to cry and I started to cry. And we ran together and we tripped over the toys on the floor. But something changed because I stopped living the relationship for what I could get out of it and for what I can give into it. And, and that's it. And you know what? It's incredible. I love doing something nice for Claire. I love, and I've got all these plans, most of them I can't afford, you know, but I've got all these things and lots that I do and lots that I can do. And I love to see her face. I love to make her feel good. And we talk and we, we open our hearts up and we have rows. And there are very, very few occasions where I'm not the model husband. I don't, you know, I, I need to be true. The point is, there was a switch. I'm not in this relationship for what I can get. I'm in this relationship for what I can give. And actually, when it's like that, it's like, Jesus, I just want to give you more and more and more. It's out of a relationship that we seek to please him that we seek to change the way we live, the way we talk, the way we walk. And I'm a different man in my marriage than I was eight, seven, eight years ago. I'm a different man. 2 Timothy 3.12, yes, and all who desire... Hold on, no, let me stop. It is in this relationship that we find it no big deal to keep sexually pure. To keep my mouth away from filthy talk, unforgiveness, je jealousy, bitterness. It's in this relationship with God, when I look at it like that, it's no big deal. It's out of this relationship we can allow people to persecute us. Because actually, I'm after a relationship to give Christ my life, not what I can get from him. 2 Timothy 3.12, yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ, Jesus, will suffer persecution. When my life is his... I can endure persecution. I'm not looking for it. I don't desire it, but I can go through it. When my life is his, it is no problem to keep away from sins. It's challenging, but it's not a question of what I can get away with. When I was young and growing up, there was this branded T-shirt called No Fear. And we all had No Fear caps, No Fear T-shirts. And there was this one slogan, if you're not living on the edge, you're taking up too much space. It's not how it should be with my Christian walk with Christ. How close can I walk to the edge without falling off? Our life is nothing. It's so quick. We had a, um, a parents' evening and they came back and were telling us about Jacob and how good he is at maths and, and how actually he gets it so quickly and how actually in his English where he struggles with writing it down but his ideas and his thoughts are incredible. The trouble is he gets bored so quickly. And if you've done anything with Jacob, try and keep him in focus. And the teachers are saying, we actually think he gets it so quick. He gets it so quick, but it's keeping him focused. Because he's, I've got this, and he moves on. So I'm starting to talk to him, saying, Jacob, you know, because youth is wasted on the young. 
I'm saying, Jacob, it's only a few more years. Okay, 11, 16. Five more years till your GCSEs. It's not long, son. Can you just focus? Then I realize this. You have to be in education till you're 18. Seven more years, Jacob. It's not long. Okay, it is not long. He's 11. Then I realize he might go off to university. 11 more years. And then I stop and realize it's his whole life. And to him, that's forever. But it isn't, is it? It isn't forever. 70, it's not that long. Not against eternity. You divide any number by eternity, by infinity, and what do you get? Z zero. Divide 70 by infinity, it's zero. Divide 120 by infinity, it's zero. Divide 2,000 years and back to Christ by infinity, it's zero. Divide millions and millions and millions of years by infinity, and it's zero. Our life isn't that long. And yet, actually, we argue about how much we want to do, whether or not these sins are okay. Are they really sins? Are they not sins? It's nothing. And we're playing with our salvation. We're playing with our salvation. When actually, if I live to 90, hold on, 100 is 56. If I live to 100, so 46 years to 90. If I live another 46 years, it's not that long next to infinity. Next to eternity, it's nothing. And yet the discussions and the arguments the Christian society has about what is and isn't sins, you're living close to the edge. I'm coming, ready or not. Will you be ready? If we keep a view on the eternal, then your life, which is equal to the number zero when measured against eternity becomes easy to live holy and pure. Right. Looking forward to eternity. Gosh, Ben, so this has been the sandwich. We started off great, had some difficult stuff. Now let's end. What do we have to look forward to? Revelation 21, 1-7. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, as there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for a husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, no sorrow, no crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain. Hey, that's from that word. The fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. Do you thirst? He who overcomes shall inherit all things and I will, be, I will be his God and he shall be my son. Amen. We find it hard to think of eternity. There will be cities. There will be places. There will be incredible creations. There will be roles to fulfill, jobs to do. It will be very much like earth is now, but earth as it intended to be. 
Jesus' resurrected body was physical. He walked and talked and ate. John 21, 1-14 uh, tells us about that. And we are told that our bodies will be like his. Have we got it on here? Revelation 22, 12-13 And behold, I am coming quickly. That quickly means suddenly. We see it all over Scripture. We see it in the flood when they were saying they were going around drinking and eating and marrying and giving. Then suddenly the flood came. Behold, I'm coming suddenly. And my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Jesus came in the flesh to show us how we could walk, to pay the price for sin. He left us, ascended in heaven, sent his spirit so he could come and dwell in our hearts. And Christ is coming again. Let's look for him. Let's look for his coming. Let's look for where he's coming and let's not forget we've got a message to deliver, a message to share. The good news of the gospel. Eternity with our risen Lord. Amen. There are questions to ponder that you can look as the website, but we will go through them now. Shall we pray?